You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa Thread. Good morning. A second state of emergency declared by the Tuscaloosa City Council during the COVID-19 crisis gives Mayor Maddox more authority to enforce health safety precautions as COVID-19 continues to rise in the area. But the declaration didn't come without dissent from council members Lee Busby, Kip Tyner, and Cynthia Allman. The Maldwatley Health Center provided mandatory COVID-19 testing for faculty and staff today at Stillman College. Students will be tested next week. For the latest local news, log on to TuscaloosaThread.com. Don Hartley Town Square Media, Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Alabama Athletics Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard, north of the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Sadly, this is the first Wednesday in a while. That isn't a uh, gelato Wednesday, but uh, still a lot of great things to choose from there at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined by executive producer Joe Gaither, who together we combined to form the 60 bit of Sports Talk Radio. Joe, we good? Because uh, I heard the music up there for an extended period, and I was like, do I have this thing on mute? Do I have this mic live? Am I hot? You're How hot. I'm sorry. There, I was fading it down maybe a little too slow. I apologize. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, you know, I'll listen to that anthem for as long as you want to play it. I think listeners to this program would tell you, just play the truckers for the whole 51 minutes or so, you know, around the breaks. Just just go with Mike Cooley in Patterson Hood. But we're good. You doing all right this y- morning? Yeah, I'm doing great. You sound great. You're hot. Everything's good. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. But uh, we got a lot to get into, don't we? Wow. The ever-changing landscape of college football in 2020. You start your day, you roll out of the rack, and here comes the Big Ten with its schedule announcement, its schedule reveal, which I thought the conference did a good job in terms of making that available, turning that into content, as they like to say, in the multimedia industry. These days, they turned it into content for the Big Ten Network, but I guess they didn't want to sort of promote that they were going to go ahead and announce that schedule this morning at, I guess it was 745 Central. And so there really wasn't a lead up to it, but uh, you were able to catch that first thing this morning. The Big Ten drops its 2020 schedule, 10 conference games, and you already had nine conference games in play for the Big Ten. So one additional crossover. And the Big Ten's going to crank it up Labor Day weekend. That's the plan anyway. I guess Ohio State, Illinois, on a Thursday night, going to get things going. The big news from the day with the Big Ten is Ohio State, Michigan, moving up from Thanksgiving weekend to October the 24th, the first time since 1942 that Michigan and Ohio State will not play at the end of the regular season. Otherwise, not a lot of pop as far as the additional crossover game between divisions goes in the Big Ten. Maybe Penn State at Illinois. You know, that was about it. 
but that's again, that's kind of what you get when you already had nine games in place. You didn't have like the SEC is going to have with the two additional crossovers uh, in going to a 10-game conference schedule. So the Big Ten makes that known this morning. And then we learn here in the last few moments, a couple of things coming down the pike here in the last, what, 15 to 30 minutes. The Big Ten United, a group of 1,000 or so Big Ten college football players, uh, announced via the Players' Tribune, similar to what we saw from the Pac-12 Players uh, United group over the weekend, Big Ten United announces via Players' Tribune that they, too, have some demands for both their conference and the NCAA. Now, unlike the Pac-12, you don't get into revenue sharing, really, with what the Big Ten United uh, proposal is. And I think from the perspective that the Big Ten players are coming from, we uh, we almost simultaneously heard from the NCAA after we saw this drop but from Big Ten Unite, Unity, excuse me, you saw the NCAA President Mark Emmert come out with you know a list of protocol that are going to have to be in place if NCAA member schools are going to participate in sports or going to contest sports during the upcoming fall semester. Again, Big Ten Unity is talking more about protecting the well-being of all student-athletes. They want oversight. They want transparency where it comes to COVID-19 testing. Uh, They want third-party involvement approved by the players to administer COVID-19 testing. They want sufficient penalties for schools that are not in compliance uh, with these protocols. They want a mandate for athletics personnel to be to report suspected violations. Uh, they really want transparency here because in the last couple of days, you saw this maybe with Colorado State last night, there were some allegations coming out of that program that there were some cover-ups going on in relation to positive tests and exactly what the protocol was or is out there in Fort Collins. So, you know, this this uh, list of this proposal from Big Ten Unity, it is pretty much exclusive to the COVID-19 situation. Understandable, understandable. As a parent of a former Division One student athlete, I don't see anything here that I think oversteps the bounds of being reasonable. Uh, They want prevention and safety protocols. They want testing. Here's where it gets interesting is what I can tell so far. And again, I'm just getting a lot of this, so bear with me. But with testing, the Big Ten, from what I saw this morning, has a plan in place for once a week testing of players. What Big Ten Unity is proposing is three tests per week for athletes, for student athletes. It's a pretty big jump from one to three and kind of at the outset of all this and sort of looking ahead to a potential football season, assuming that this pandemic was not going to have a vaccine at any point before the first of the new year. I think we all understand that's that's the best case scenario first of the year that we might have a vaccine of some kind. But trying to play through a pandemic. My expectation going into this was that there would likely be at least twice a week testing. And the Big Ten saying, we're just going to do once a week. And that one time is going to be sort of within a three-day window before games, before competitions take place. What seems reasonable to me, maybe they'll land somewhere in the middle of all that, between the players saying three and the Big Ten saying once, Maybe we're going to land it, too, because that's that's kind of the number I've had in mind when it comes to testing players, especially at the Power 5 level, where you have the resources, you have the finances to do that for a 105-player roster or more. Now, you could have upwards of 110, 115, I guess, once you include all the walk-ons uh, in that mix. But twice would make sense to me, and, and here's why. Because Sunday's... After games, typically, is a time when you take inventory of the physical well-being of your roster. Let's say you play a game on the road Saturday night. You get back 
late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. You get off the charter, everybody goes home. You may have some folks that were injured in the game that require overnight immediate attention. But you pretty much want everyone to come back to the facility on Sunday to be checked out on the heels of a of a Saturday Saturday night game. That would make sense to me at that point to get everybody in after a game and get them tested. Then you start the week with an understanding of where you're at in terms of availability, in terms of positive test. Maybe you get through it with zero. Then you're able to go into your practice week with a very good understanding of where you sit. Then when you get to Wednesday of game week, maybe Wednesday after practice, Wednesday evening, you test the entire team again. And based on the results of that, say Thursday, you now know going into Saturday exactly who you have, who's infected, who isn't, and you're able to move along that way. Two's a reasonable number for me. Hey, if the players can get three, get three. I think two would be reasonable, though. I think you could cover yourself pretty well with twice a week. I know that NFL teams, if we're going to get into that sort of follow the trail, follow the tail of the NFL, I know NFL teams through this past Sunday, they were testing everyone that came into the building daily. You were tested every day in the NFL through this last Sunday. Now, starting on Monday of this week, a couple days ago, they downshifted to twice a week in the NFL. So there you go. There's your number of two in a week uh, if we if we get right down to it. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you'd like to jump on board with us on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports, we are also awaiting word from the Southeastern Conference. You know, we talked about this. It's 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 like it's like riding a roller coaster on a daily basis, isn't it? it it's just amazing how this changes day to day, and not just in terms of you know the news we get about opt outs. And speaking of the Big Ten, you're, you're hearing about the potential of one of the very best players in the country, and Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State now joining Rashad Bateman, the outstanding wide receiver from Minnesota, in, uh, in opting out for the 2020 season. We're still waiting our first name of note where the Southeastern Conference is concerned in that regard. Interesting to me when it comes to opt-outs to this point, both in the NFL and in college football to this point, is that we're not hearing uh, about quarterbacks, right? I haven't heard of it. Have you heard of a quarterback yet that's opting out in the NFL or in college football? I haven't. You know, we've heard about other folks, uh, just pretty much every other position, a lot of positions out there. But uh, we're not hearing about the quarterbacks. I guess in the NFL, you know, when you think about the brand that is the NFL quarterback, is there a bigger brand in sports right now than starting quarterback in the National Football League? I don't think so. Not in the United States of America. Um, you know, basketball has become a thing. That's not to say a guy like LeBron James globally isn't a bigger deal than, say, even Russell Wilson, who's a big deal as a start top five starting quarterback in the NFL. But the NBA, you're, you know, it's kind of a positionless thing. If you're a star, you're a star, right? You, you can talk about LeBron James. You, you could play LeBron James anywhere on the floor. But the quarterback position in the NFL doesn't get any bigger than that. And we're not hearing about Tom Brady. Tom Brady's been holding his own practices. The hell with opting out. Tom Brady's been getting his group together on his own. You think Tom Brady's opting out? No. Doesn't look like Russell Wilson's opting out, does it? You know, Cam Newton's taking a veteran's minimum in a pandemic to play for the New England Patriots. These quarterbacks aren't going anywhere. And there is their brand to consider in association to their place on their football teams, right? I mean, there's some endorsement dollars in play here for a lot of these guys at the quarterback position. But that's been interesting so far. I guess when you'll really need to sort of head to the bunker 
or maybe assume the fetal position is if you get some of these quarterbacks opting out. Because as long as the quarterbacks play, as long as Tom Brady plays, as long as Drew Brees plays, as long as Aaron Rodgers plays, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, as long as those guys play, I mean, if we're just being brutally honest about it, you can put just about anybody else on the field. It's all about the quarterbacks, man. Now, the quarterbacks will tell you, I'll tell you what the quarterbacks don't like in the NFL here of late is the big dudes opting out. Quarterbacks don't like seeing these tackles call it a season and check out for 2020. They don't like that. But you, the viewer, the consumer, as long as the the quarterbacks are playing, you're going to have an interest in what's going on on the football field. But again, it's just been this up and down. You hear just today that the Big Ten has dropped its schedule. Then you hear from Big Ten Unity that, okay, great, but we've got a list of demands here, a proposal that we want met before we agree to do anything. And it's August the 5th, and the Big Ten's talking about playing on September the 3rd. So there are there are moments when you look at something like the Big Ten today and say, you know what, they may have gotten it right because from a scheduling standpoint, they're able to build into bye weeks. They're able to give themselves some flexibility on the back end with the Big Ten championship game, keeping it on December the 5th, but understanding that they have the weekends of the 12th and the 19th. But now with this from the Big Ten players, and talking about starting practices at places like Ohio State tomorrow, they got a lot to figure out before they start playing football in less than a month's time. The SEC, with that September the 26th date, you know, you have some concerns about that because you sort of lock yourself in to a window. You don't give yourself maybe as much flexibility over the course of three-plus months or so like the Big Ten's going to have and what it looks like the Big 12 will also have. Uh, but you also give yourself a chance in terms of if you have a situation like this with SEC players or you get back into classes in a couple of three weeks and the confluence of students and student athletes results in a bit of an issue for you. Gives you a little bit of a buffer there. A couple different ways to look at that from a scheduling perspective. Going to step aside for our first break. Coming up later in the show, by the way, I know one thing we're going to have this week, starting tomorrow out at TPC Harding Park in San Francisco, California, the 102nd plane of the PGA Championship. We're going to talk about that later in the program with Matt Hughes, former University of Alabama golfer, professional golfer, also one-time caddy for Michael Thompson on the PGA Tour. Michael Thompson in that Alabama contingent out in Frisco, this week, along with Justin Thomas, fresh off that WGC win up in Memphis, world number one, Justin Thomas, Bud Cauley, also in that mix at the PGA Championship. Three former Alabama All-Americans set to tee it up out on the left coast, along with Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, and so many others. We'll talk with Matt about that coming up later in the program as well. Until then, open phone lines. 205-342-9904. Maybe even some Atlanta Braves talk. You want to talk about a roller coaster, right? How about the Braves here in the last few days? Southern Fried Sports coming up. More right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Partly to mostly sunny this afternoon. A small chance of a shower through the evening hours. The high today, 90. Tonight's low, 69. For tomorrow and Friday, the weather looking rain-free with a good supply of sunshine both days. Highs between 90 and 93. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. Keep you in the dark and so 
on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show today brought to you by Houston Hydrosteam, home of the Houston Rug Revival. Trust me, folks, those carpets, those rugs, you need to go ahead and get them taken care of. Extend the life of them while, look, first and foremost, keeping them clean, right? No one wants dirty, nasty rugs and carpets. Give them a call at 205-553-9460. Jackie and his crew, locally owned, locally operated. Your carpet, your rugs, your upholstery, your tile and grout cleaning, that backsplash in the kitchen, anything wall-to-wall, floor-to-ceiling, they can take care of you there at Houston Hydrosteam. 205-553-9460. So we know the SEC has dropped its start of practice date. We learned that yesterday after our program. August the 17th, there was some talk about next week perhaps being a starting point, but it will be August the 17th. The Alabama Crimson Tide and others expected to hit the practice field and you're going to have an extension of this mandatory phase that's been in effect. They're going to be able to still conduct the walkthroughs, have the coaching staff present, Nick Saban, head coaches. You're going to see an extension of what was supposed to end tomorrow. That phase was going to end August the 6th. Then you were going to get into August the 7th and preseason practices. Well, with the SEC not kicking off until September the 26th, that has been pushed back by, oh, I guess what, 10 days? Yeah, August 7th, August 17th. And so you know, Alabama and other SEC teams, they'll still be in that mandatory phase uh, that they've uh, worked through here over the last couple weeks. And gosh, if you're a coach right now, you really don't want your players going anywhere else, do you? You know, I guess you could say, look, tomorrow is the end of that phase. The players get seven, eight, nine days off, and then we'll come back together for preseason practice on August the 17th. You really want to let your players go right now for eight or ten days? Yeah, go back to Atlanta. Go back down to South Florida. Go spend a week or two, and then come on back. And then, oh, by the way, we'll test everybody, like on August the 16th when we check in for preseason. No. I mean, if you're a college football team right now, this is it. You're locked in. And that would typically be the case. Um, And really, that's the case starting around June 1st these days. You know, college football teams, the calendar year in college football for nearly two decades now. Once the NCAA okayed uh, basically summer workouts to be paid for in terms of room, board, classes that was a couple of decades ago now close to it anyway 15 20 years ago the NCA uh, allowed for for schools to you know cover that for their football players and you also saw it in basketball uh, additionally and so in that period since that started really June 1st anyway but uh, it becomes especially true now in the middle of a pandemic you want to keep these guys and gals in some sports uh, Probably as close to the as close to the training room as you possibly can. Two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio line. We also learned this morning that UConn has canceled its football season, fall athletics for the twenty twenty season. How about that? UConn probably, in terms of football anyway, picked the wrong time to go independent, and there's just not a lot out there for you. You know especially if you're like, we talked about New Mexico State in the past. New Mexico State came in here, played Alabama in the 2019 season, picked up a nice check. Well, New Mexico State, that's essentially how it's surviving right now from a football perspective. And the Aggies in 2020 were going to go to UCLA to open the season. And then we're going to end the season with another paycheck from the Florida Gators. Well, what has happened to the two leagues that UCLA and Florida call home. They've both gone to conference-only schedules. 
So those paychecks for New Mexico State are gone. UConn, uh, similar situation. Scheduling just really, really tough. Although, you know, with these group of fives, the group of fives are very interesting because they're upping the ante on the potential of games for the season, whereas the power fives are pretty much going to 10, uh, maybe 11 games. We'll see about the ACC at the end of the day. You know, was the ACC really uh, holding, you know, a hand there in terms of, hey, we're, we're really going to play 11 games. Maybe the ACC will. That smelled at the time of kind of trying to call the SEC's bluff in relation to the rivalries that exist between the two leagues, maybe seeing if the SEC would go to a 10 plus one. The SEC, as we know, did not. Um, You know, these group of fives, they're pretty much all intent on at least trying to play 12 games. And you get it from a financial aspect. They, They probably need as many games as they can get. Um, where the other side of that comes in is, you know, based on local and state protocols for game attendance, it's not like they're going to probably benefit much in terms of ticket sales. But, you know, if they have content, if they have games, you can bet your sweet butt ESPN, regional networks, they're going to pay, they'll, they'll pay for those games. You know, they'll pay the Sun Belt. They'll pay CUSA. They'll pay those leagues. You know, there is television money, believe it or not, also on the line for group of five teams. It's not just the power fives that, you know, have tens of millions of dollars on the line where it comes to their rights holders from a television perspective. But it's just all over the board. I mean, practice dates are different everywhere. First weekend of game dates are different everywhere. Ohio State's going to play, going to open the season on September the 3rd. Alabama's going to open the season on September the 26th. Um, You really do. I mean, it's like how they say you better have a roster when a team's going through a lot of changeover (laughs) in personnel. You have to have sort of a, a schedule guide now for all the different leagues. And it's... It's not the uniform approach that I think some of us were anticipating a month or two ago. Kind of figured the power fives, even though they're always in the business of trying to one-up one another, especially the Big Ten, as we've seen. You kind of figured they'd still all kind of start the season on the same weekend. Yeah, that's not happening, is it? Absolutely not. Um, How about some baseball talk? Get out of this uh, sort of tumultuous situation we're dealing with with college football right now the atlanta braves talk about up and down talk about six flags uh it's uh very much that way in atlanta right now with the braves the good news getting a win over the toronto blue jays or is it the buffalo blue jays we're calling them these days is it still toronto uh the braves beat the blue jays last night 10 to 1 max Fried did his thing on the mound which was which was a uh that was a, a, a welcome sight for Braves fans, no doubt about it, especially after Mike Soroka a night earlier tears his Achilles tendon and is lost for the remainder of the season. Freed does his thing. Austin Riley with a three-run homer. Good to see Ronald Acuna producing. Had a couple of hits, a couple of walks, two runs, stole a base. You know, the Braves scored 10 runs last night, still managed to leave 21 guys on base. Isn't it hard to do that? If you score 10 runs, isn't it pretty hard to leave 21 on base? And uh, that run production, as we know, going to be even more critical with starting pitching becoming even more of a question mark moving forward with Soroka out. Need Freeman, Freddie Freeman, to really get it going. Not sure if you saw this this morning, but it looks like Nick Markakis is going to be activated or has been activated and that's important because Ozzy Albies is dealing with that wrist issue Matt Adams hits a home run for you last night proceeds to hit a hard ground ball into the shift trying to beat it out at first looks like he pulls a hamstring so he too is headed to the injured list so uh, a little bit of give and take a lot of give with Soroka going out or a lot of take And uh, tonight, you run Sean Newcomb out there against the Blue Jays. Sean Newcomb and his 8.22 ERA for the 8-4 and 
Atlanta Braves. Going to step aside for another break. When we come back, more Southern Fried Sports on a Wednesday, presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier, right here on Tide 100.9 FM, right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. I'm not like them back in the town. The sun is gone. Chocolate lady would tell me to uh, practice more of what I preach here. You know, we're going to be honest about things. And that's why I do practice what I preach. I just enlist the services of Chase's residential and commercial cleaning. Simple as that. 205-886-3616. Told you before, dependability, right? I mean, anything you're looking to have done, any type of personal services, that's where it starts. It starts with dependability. And in Yashika Barnes, the CEO and driving force there at Chase's Residential and Commercial Cleaning, she's going to take great care of you and your home and or your office. Just give her a call at 205-886-3616. Over 20 years of quality cleaning service for Miss Yashika Barnes and Chase's residential and commercial cleaning. Um, You do have a board of trustees meeting coming up a little bit later today. I believe it's 1.30. The University of Alabama Systems Board of Trustees are set to meet. There is some athletic items, I believe, on today's agenda. Best I can tell, it involves compensation for University of Alabama Athletics Department staff members. And I'm thinking anyway, you think to the most recent hires that Alabama has made in its athletic department. Well, Dr. Matt Ray, David Ballou, and that strength and conditioning and sports science duo that Alabama has brought on board. And of course, Freddie Roach has also been brought on as the new defensive line coach for the Alabama Crimson Tide, you never know about extensions, things like that for department staff. So uh, we'll see exactly what's on the docket coming up a little bit later this afternoon. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you would like to check in with us on this Wednesday morning, you are more then welcome to do so. I don't know how big an NBA fan Joe Gaither is, but I was thinking about this yesterday, man. NBA fans right now have to be in heaven. If you love NBA basketball, you can, about 4 o'clock it seems like, on a Tuesday afternoon, you can throw it on NBA TV, and there's games, right, in the bubble down there in Walt Disney World. And the game's been pretty good. The quality of play's been pretty good. They've done a nice job trying to create some sense of atmosphere, it seems like, down there in Orlando. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, what else do you have to do? I can tell you this. I'm going to watch more NBA basketball right now than I typically would. And it's not because I'm not a fan of the NBA. I enjoy the NBA just fine. But here I am yesterday. What is it? Probably 4.30 in the afternoon on a Tuesday. And I'm watching the Suns and the Clippers. You know, and Devin Booker with that buzzer beater for the Suns to get past the Clippers. Then you had Mello, Carmelo Anthony last night with a dagger for the Blazers against the Rockets. You know, it could be worse, I guess is what I'm saying, right? It could be worse. We continue to watch baseball try to navigate this situation. We've talked about the spaghetti sandwich that some sports are trying to consume right now, boy. Major League Baseball is right there with it. They keep plotting along, though. They keep moving along. Intent. Whatever you think of Rob Manford, the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Uh, MLB is still still trying. Still trying to uh, still trying to get it done there on the uh, 
on the diamond. So as we look ahead and think about a week from Monday in the Southeastern Conference, and you look at Alabama specifically, and you think about, well, where are some areas of this team that a lot of the focus, a lot of the attention is going to be placed? I don't know, Joe Gaither, how you don't look at the defensive side of the ball, right? I mean, with everything that's coming back on offense, and by the way, speaking of offense, did you see Evan Neal? Did you see the tweet? I think it was Dr. Matt Ray this morning that sent out the tweet of the sort of tandem box jump that Evan Neal did at like three, seven, uh, six, seven, 330 pounds or so. That's pretty impressive. If you haven't seen that, check out Dr. Matt Ray's account on Twitter. Pretty good stuff. But with that offensive line Quick coming update. back, with Najee Harris coming back, with a couple of those dynamic receivers, you've got experience at the tight end position with Miller Forstall, Carl Tucker coming in as a grad transfer from North Carolina. I mean, first and foremost, you start with that offensive line in Najee Harris. And when you think about the SEC and you wonder about guys potentially opting out and their draft status and where it's at, you know, a guy like Najee Harris, I think you can make the argument both ways. But if I'm Najee Harris, I don't think there's any way I'm not playing this season behind that offensive line. You look at what Alabama brings back up front, and you've got a transition situation at quarterback, so you know you're going to be featured. And I know that argument, if you're a running back, you know, your value has already been lessened more than it has ever been in football. And you're seeing guys like Derrick Henry go in the second round for crying out loud, which only makes the fact that Leonard Fournette went to our Jags in the top five of a first round three or four years ago, all the more painful for this Jaguar fan. But, you know, it's a great situation to be a running back at Alabama right now with this offensive line. Again, with the expectation that it's going to be more ground and pound. Um, you know, Najee, a little over 200 carries last year. I would think he could get to 250 if you were playing a 12-game regular season. We know you're not going to have that. So, on average, anyway, somewhere around 20 carries a game for Najee Harris in 2020. That would seem about right. And that could be twofold in helping this Alabama football team because they still have some things to figure out on the defensive side of the ball. And that's where you hope at least these last 10 days, especially in this mandatory phase, you've been able to ramp up some guys in terms of installment. And when I'm talking about guys, I'm talking more about fresh faces, inexperienced players, newcomers, perhaps, especially when you look at, say, the outside linebacker position. You know, you can connect dots right now and make some pretty educated guesses on what a first 11 for Alabama defensively looks like in a walkthrough in July, right? I mean, you lose Anthony Jennings, you lose Terrell Lewis. So it's easy to say, well, Christopher Allen, been around, going into his fourth year in the program, he's going to be one of those first guys out there. Uh, Even a Ben Davis that going into his fifth year to this point, it hasn't been the career. For a couple of reasons that many projected for Ben Davis as a five-star recruit coming out of Gordo High School. But he is at a point where he understands the system. He's a program guy. He's a program veteran. So those are the guys in walkthrough settings right now that you're going to have out there in all likelihood with the first group. Because A, they know where to line up. They know where to go. And B, they can also display for all these freshmen especially that Alabama has on the edge coming in this is how you do it you know same thing at inside linebacker with Dylan Moses back from injury Josh McMillan back from injury then you get all those reps for Shane Lee and Christian Harris that's going to be fascinating to watch that situation at inside linebacker I don't know how you keep Christian Harris off the field in his second year and I also think Shane Lee's been uh, dumped on a little bit Tough spot for a true freshman last year, not only in terms of trying to meet the production expectations at a middle linebacker spot at a place that has turned out buckets award winners uh, in, a, in a pretty high rate, 
but also being asked to sort of run the show there in place of Dylan Moses. So you're going to have some interesting scenarios there at inside linebacker, but the secondary too, you got to figure some things out. You got at least, you got at least one corner spot of your top three that you have to figure out. Maybe two. Patrick Sertan gives you that nice base on which you can build safety. You're going to have to figure some things out and you're losing your guys there. Jared Maiden, Xavier McKinney, Shaheem Carter was a nice safety net for you, even at the safety position. So you're basically rebuilding, starting with Jordan Battle. Then you look at a couple of program vets like a Daniel Wright. You know, maybe he's ready to be a real factor in that mix, but you got some young guys too. Brian Branch coming in here. And he has a chance to be a really good player really early on. Going to head to our final break. When we come back, we'll talk some PGA Championship with our pal Matt Hughes right here on Southern Fried Sports on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Partly to mostly sunny this afternoon. A small chance of a shower through the evening hours. The high today, 90. Tonight's low, 69. For tomorrow and Friday, the weather looking rain-free with a good supply of sunshine both days. Highs between 90 and 93. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. by the name of Pat Smear played in some pretty iconic bands including that one right there Nirvana also the Foo Fighters with his pal Dave Grohl if you're an old punk rocker if you go way back you might remember Pat Smear from the from the Germs which were of course fronted by the legendary and late Darby Crash so we celebrate Pat Smear's birthday born on this day in 1959 let's head back to the peter brook chocolatier studio line right now and let's talk some professional golf with our good friend matt hughes who i know is fired up on the heels of back-to-back wins on the pga tour by former alabama all-americans how about that stretch matt it seems like maybe maybe me and you have been good luck to to alabama players here of late what do you think Come on. I mean, if that doesn't fire you up right there as a Tide fan, I, I bet Jay Sewell's couch did not get uh, much work this weekend, probably the last two weekends. He, he's like me. Like, you get excited. He can't sit down. He's up walking around. That was uh, that was really, really fun to watch. Not sure. Yeah, I'd love to know the stats on that, like how, how long it's been since you've had a, a college have back-to-back PGA Tour winners. Um, but, man, that was that was fun to watch, and especially – makes uh what's coming up this week even more fun to look forward to yeah and you know even davis riley a, a week or two before that on the corn ferry tour man you've had like three separate alabama men's golfers former alabama men's golfers went on professional tours the top two tours in america anyway uh here in the last month or so just an incredible run and uh, and I guess Jay, it, it's 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 a real thing, right? With the milkshakes, with Jay Sewell, uh, with the wins. Oh He's yeah, a big milkshake guy. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. We're you go. Um, usually, I think uh, not to give a shameless plug, but usually I think it's Chick Fil A. Not sure what you do on Sunday though when they win, but um, he just <laughs> goes and finds one. But yeah, he he goes and gets the milkshake. That's like his justification for for snacking. Uh, street coach probably gets onto him on that on Monday. But, um, yeah, Davis Riley went in on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's got two wins. I mean, he basically could take the rest of the year off. He's guaranteed to get his PGA Tour card next year. So you just add another Alabama golfer to the PGA Tour. Um, I saw Bud Colley got in the PGA. He did. Um, somebody withdrew for injury or didn't qualify. It's kind of coming down to the last few spots who was going to get in. So uh, Bud was a true freshman when, when I was a fifth-year senior. And, and I remember watching him hit shots 
in practice rounds at the SC Championship, and I, I remember standing next to Seawell. We were at Sea Island, and I looked. I just looked at Coach, and I, I just pointed at Bud hitting these chip shots, and I said, Coach, I can't do that. <laughs> and he was uh, he was another one that was just been really special from the first time he, he came to Tuscaloosa and knew he would be on tour. So glad he gets to play in the major championship um, as well this week. But, like, for, for guys like me and you, because I keep up with you on Twitter, does it get any better than a West Coast major oh, golf man. in the prime time, maybe something on the green egg? I mean, it's a pretty good weekend, right? Well, and look, we've got the pandemic as the excuse for the wives when we don't do date night, like Friday and Saturday night, right? I mean, we can't go out, <laughs> honey, but we will no, get the can't. grills going. I mean, we're trying to follow protocols. We're trying to be safe. The best thing we can do, honey, is I'll cook on the grill and uh, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll call it a stay-at-home date night while you and I both have the golf on until about 10 o'clock Central, right? Absolutely. Hey, I got a, I got a killer, uh, I got a killer bone-in, skin-on chicken wow. breast recipe for the green egg. I'll have to share it with you later. It sounds simple, oh, but man, you just, you just can't beat it. That's that's gonna be my go-to probably, probably Saturday watching the golf. Oh gosh, I've been on this. I've been on the beer can chicken uh, stretch here. Yeah, I just can't beat those. They're so easy. I can't mess them up. And then uh, they come out perfectly because I, I, all I have to do is put beer in the canister and set the chicken on top and then let it go until it's done. And, and even again, even I can't mess that up. But we talk about a West Coast event and it's the first out West since the restart back in June. Um, you know, in addition to the time change, but you, you look at this track specifically, TPC Harding uh, Park and the, the weather, I guess, um, might be a little damp. Matt, uh, ball mate, does a ball not go as far in those kind of conditions? What are some of the adjustments that, you know, surfaces that you're talking about here as far as greens go? What are some of the adjustments you think that are going to have to be made by guys like Justin and Michael Thompson and Bud Colley? Well, yeah, that's a great point, especially the, the stark contrast from being in Memphis last week where they, they actually had a little bit mild weather can, uh, for regular Memphis weather at the end of July. But, you know, going from a hot, humid place where the ball's probably flying as far as it's going to fly all year to sea level, humid. They said it was low 50s yesterday. Everybody was in a sweater. I read something where Jordan Spieth said he had irons that were flying about 10 to 13 yards shorter and his driver going about 20 yards shorter. Wow. So um, it, it's a big difference. It's something those guys probably had those track man radars out, hit every club in their bag. The caddies are super busy, um, kind of recalibrating. Every club in the back. I mean, and those guys will do that, but especially going to do that when you go somewhere where, um, you know, hot, humid, mid-90s and Memphis balls flying a long way. Now we're, you know, 55 degrees. I- I'll tell you this. It's probably not good for the big cat, for Tiger, uh, 44 years old with a bad back. Yeah. It's probably, probably hurt his chances a little bit. Um I mean, everybody, whatever you think about Tiger, it's fun to watch one of the greatest ever walk the planet play well. So I hope he can kind of figure something out. But there's just a lot of things that I don't think set up for him really good. And, and then you got uh, you got rough. It's basically going to be wet all day because of this marine layer that you're probably going to have um, in San Francisco. And then also, I think something that matters more in a major than um, – less than a regular tour event because of the razor thin edge of how good these guys are and how tough the golf course is, is the tee time draw you get. You know, you, if you have to play in the early in the morning, the first yeah. round. Yeah. So, so the way tee times work, if you play in the morning on the first round, you play late in the afternoon, the second round and, and vice versa. So I've heard, I mean, they're supposed to get some, some really, really gusty winds Thursday afternoon. So somebody could, could sneak in, play a good round Thursday morning, and then hopefully have better weather on Friday afternoon. You know, it matters a whole lot. You know, on the other side of the pond, especially like the British Open, but it sounds like it's going to matter a lot this week too. It looks like Slick, Bud, and JT could all benefit from that because they are in that early wave uh, on Thursday. If the the winds are expected to be an issue, perhaps later in the day. Um, Matt, talk about how you think this course sets up for slick. I mean, you've worked with him. You've, you've looped for him in the past. Sounds like it's a, uh, maybe a more right to left setup at Harding park, but, um, kind of in it, but he's played well right across the lake in the 2012 us open. I mean, how do those things factor into his outlook for this week? 
yeah, hopefully just kind of some familiar familiar surroundings giving some confidence. Slick is a really good, difficult course player. Uh, he was that way in college. Uh, he tended to play better when the courses got harder. I, I wouldn't say he's a I – mean, I say this on the heels of him shooting 18 under a couple weeks ago to win, but he just seems to play well when it uh, when it may take – you know, eight to twelve under to win. He won at the Honda Classic, I believe. He, sh- I can't remember if it was either seven under or nine under for four days, which is relatively high for a PGA Tour event. Um, and then at, he got second at the U.S. Open, just right there across the pond at Olympic Club. I think he shot one or two over for the week, and and mm-hmm. even or one over one. So I would say, I actually texted him last night, and I said, give me your quick idea of the golf course and how it's played. He said, even par is going to be a good score, probably 10 under wins. That's what he thought. And I would say the harder it plays, the more that gives him an advantage. Um, everything I've heard and, and coming from him, the greens, there's nothing really special, no crazy undulations. So somebody that can really kind of figure out the speed and make some 20-footers, which, I mean, you're talking sh- – straight into Michael Thompson's game right there. The guy makes more 20, 25 footers than I've ever seen. Uh, so if, if he got hot kind of in that mid-range, just kept the ball in front of him, stayed out of the rough a little bit more than normal, he could have a good week. As we let you go here, Matt, uh, perspective real quick on Bones McKay stepping in on the bag there for JT and JT getting a week, a win last week without Jimmy Johnson on the bag. Um, you know, how did that seemingly work? I mean, obviously it worked pretty well. JT won, but uh, pretty good week for Bones, I'd say, too. Yeah, nothing like coming out of retirement to make a probably cool $180,000 in a <laughs> temporary role. Uh, so I fully expected JT to play well. I'm not going to say I expect him to win, but sometimes it's kind of like getting a new golf club, you know, a new driver, a new putter. You just you hit it great for about two weeks because it injects some incitement into your game, and that's probably what happened to uh, to Bones and JT. I know they get along really well and, and hope they have a great week uh, out west. Hey, Matt, as always, appreciate the insight, my friend. Look forward to keeping up with you this week during the PGA Championship at Matt Hughes 16. That's where you can find Matt on Twitter. Thanks a lot, Matt. See you, Travis. Have a good weekend. There he goes. That's the wrap for a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Thanks to Matt. Thanks to Joe Gaither for producing the program. Thanks to you for listening. The Lunch Whistle on this Wednesday. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Get by there. Get you that chopped wedge sal- uh, salad. I love that thing. Get the chopped wedge salad. You can get the grilled or fried chicken to go with it. One of those house-made dressings out of this world. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard north until 11 a.m. on Thursday. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. Thank you for 